Shalom Ezra. Okay, so uh, Rosh Hashanah is uh, imminent. It's coming very soon, the new year. And so this evening we decided we're going to talk about uh, Rosh Hashanah, not Rosh Hashanah specifically, but the, the, the month of Elul and the ten days of Tshuva that start with Rosh Hashanah, ten days of repentance. Um, the uh, words that we're going to share are going to be by Rabbi Yonis and Ipschitz. Rabbi Yonis and Ipschitz was a Rav in three Kehillahs, in three congregations. He... What? Yeah, no, definitely. Of course, no, I mean Thank you for coming, yes. So Rabbi Yonis and Ipschitz was... Rabbi Yonis and Ipschitz was a Rav in three Kehillahs. One of the, the, the first Kehillah, the first congregation was in the northeastern France. In a, in a place called Mitz. Um, he became the Rav there in 1740. Okay, so Rabbi gave uh, wrote many swamis. He's an author of many books. One of the books is called The Crasioplacy, which deals, which is a commentary on the Shulchan Aruch, on the Court of Law, on, on the section of dealing with Isa Vahetta, dealing with prohibited things like Kashrus and those types of issues. Another book he wrote was called Urim Vitumim, which is on uh, financial issues, also a commentary on the Shulchan Aruch. Very, uh, he was, as my, as my, uh, my Rosh Hashiva would say, he was a Sarah He was a prince of the Torah. He was a tremendous, tremendous personality. Um, in, uh, 1750, he became the rabbi in, in Hamburg. And, uh, shortly after that, he, he became embro- involved in a controversy of, uh, with Rabbi Yaakov Emden, which is not our discussion this evening. Uh, Rabbi Yaakov Emden basically accused him of, uh, of, uh, of being uh, uh, um, a sympathizer of the Shabbat Tzvi, because he was handing out what is called in uh, Kabbalistic terms cameos to help an epidemic of women who were dying in childbirth. Um, uh, he was very well versed in, in Kabbalah, and he defended himself, and there were two camps, and it became a whole situation. He was missed there about 1764. So the, he said the in Shul, he said sermons in Shul, and the first, the, the, the book that, is, uh, that compiles his drushas, which he wrote, are called, is called the Yaros Dvash. And the, the Yaros Dvash, the first drush, which he said three years after he became the Rav in Mitz in 1743, is the beginning of that drush, is what we're going to share uh, this evening. We're going to study this evening. Uh, things that he said, and the, 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 the topic which he discussed was the topic of tshuva. Okay, so uh, we begin with that. Sorry, somebody, Mark, did you want to ask a question? No? Marvin? Okay. So this is the Rabbianus and Hapshit. So Rabbianus and Hapshit starts with saying, uh, quoting the, uh, the, the famous uh, um, Gemara in, uh, in uh, Rosh Hashanah on page 18a. The Gemara says, um, in, in page 18a, the Gemara analyzes a Pasuk in Yeshaya Hanavi, in Isaiah. In Isaiah chapter 58. The Gemara says that whenever a congregation, whenever a congregation davens together, whenever a... Uh, a tzibur, whenever a congregation prays together, even if there was a decree that was made on the tzibur, even if there was an evil decree that was made that something would befall them, it is ripped up. However, for an individual person, Hashem does not answer, always. He does not answer a gazardin. Whenever there's a decree that's made, he doesn't always answer. He answers only a specific time. So the Gemara says, when is that specific time? That specific time is uh, where it says in Yeshaya Hanavi, Dear Shu Hashem be You should seek Hashem when He is there. You should seek Hashem when He is there. Dear Hashem, seek Hashem when He is found. 
When are those days? Says the Gemara. Those are the ten days of tshuva, the ten days of repentance, which start with uh, the first day of Rosh Hashanah and commence with the uh, with Yom Kippur. Those are the ten days. So when when is uh, when can a person eradicate uh, a race? The Gizardin, erase the, 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 the decree that has been made for him in Shemayim. When can they do that? They can do it during those 10 days, what we call the 10 days of repentance. So, service, he made tshuva. Right? So, that's, uh, that's when he can erase his decree. That's the individual's opportunity because Hashem makes himself available at that moment in time. Hashem makes himself available to, uh, um, you know, he clears his, uh, Hashem, uh, God clears his calendar during those 10 days. He's very busy, He's busy the rest of the year. But during those 10 days, he clears his calendar, no appointments. And he makes himself available. He comes to each and every single year. He comes to each and every Jew. And he makes himself available that they should return. Okay? And that's when the person, that is the time to do, that is the time to do tshuva. So, Rabbi Yonah says, he quotes the Arizal. The Arizal says that a person should treat these days like Cholamoyed. Should treat these days like the intermediary days of, uh, of, of, uh, of Yom Tov of Sukkot and Pesach, she treat like, like Cholamoyed, that on Cholamoyed we don't do work. Instead, we, uh, we're Isaac, we're involved in Simchus Yantif. We drink uh, wine, we eat uh, meat, we, uh, we learn Torah. We only go to work if we're going to lose in our business. We're only going to lose in our business, and uh, whatever, we're not going to lose any profits we don't do. This is, a, this is according to Allah. The reason says that uh, during these ten days we should also Focus on correcting ourselves, changing, coming closer to Hashem, doing truthful tshuva, um, becoming better people, and that takes a lot of uh, takes a lot of effort, a lot of introspection, takes a lot of uh, uh, concentration and uh, record keeping and uh, all kinds of different uh, uh, you know getting in touch with individuals that perhaps maybe we wronged or perhaps maybe we're not uh, we're not so friendly with etc. Takes a lot of work. So therefore, we should only go to work. Should only go to the firm. We should only go to hospital if it's necessary. If it's double up, we're going to lose our job, whatever it may be. But the rest of the time, whatever free moment we have, we should focus, says the Arizal, on doing tshuva. And therefore, says the, the Arizvash, in this particular sermon, we're not going to focus so much on, uh, on complicated uh, explanations of the Torah, except we're going to try to say words of inspiration. So in 1741, words of inspiration for us today are a complicated Torah. So uh, hopefully, if it's not inspiring, at least it will be uh, intellectually stimulating. And we're going to share a, uh, a few pages of what we're going to say, I should say, because if we were try to say the whole drasha um, that he said, which includes an entire explanation of the whole Shemun essay of the 18 brachos, um, uh, the drasha is... is is, is uh, 25 pages long, 27 pages long, written out. We will detail it to Rosh Hashanah, we'll probably lose it somewhere in the middle of the drusha. Um But this is the drusha that he said in Shul. Okay? But we'll share some of it. So the, the, we start with the Gemara in Tainus. The Gemara in, in, in Tractate Tainus says that when uh, Klai Yisrael asked that the Rebbe Hashanah should relate to, uh, to the... Um, to the Jewish people, they asked, and the Jewish people, Dabin to Hashem, they, that he should relate to them like rain. And Hashem said, you're, you're asking incorrectly, because the way, you, you, the way that we should be, our relationship should be not like rain, but should be like dew. The dew that's on the ground. Not like rain. So, Vincent Hashem asks, what is the, what is the difference between uh, rain and, and dew? What's the difference? Now, I'm not a scientist. Vincent Hashem uh, quotes scientists who describe it this way. If anybody in the, uh, in the audience is, uh, to, to fill in all the gaps 
were uh, more than happy. The Rebellion uh, the says that rain is a collection of moisture on the ground. What happens is, is that moisture collects on the ground, it uh, goes up into the sky, I guess it uh, collects in the, in the, uh, in the, in the clouds, um, and when the, the heat that's in the, in the sky comes in contact with the moisture, since the two opposites, water and, and heat, are opposites, therefore it sends the, uh, the rain, so to speak, uh, back down to the, to the ground, and that's how, you have, that's how you have rain. However, he says, close, that, that's 1740, we're talking 1741. So now, however, he says, by dew, it doesn't work that way. He says that dew is not something, is not moisture which is collected in the ground, that goes up to the sky, that comes back. Dew is moisture that is in the air, that collects on the ground. It comes straight from the air. That, that's uh, from some kind of cool atmosphere. When the atmosphere is cool, so the, the droplets of, of water that are sort of collected in the air and they come down into the ground. That's uh, the, the way that I understood the Venus and Zyvesh's description. Okay, so, so uh, any mistakes are, 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 are due to me. Right? So Rebunis and Zyvesh says that the, that the proper way, the proper way to do tshuva is, uh, Sandy, you know, uh, God only helps those that, uh, that, that help themselves. Thank you very much. Right? So, yeah, God helps only um, uh, right, as Ramoyachai says, uh, only those that help themselves. So the proper way to do tshuva, the Gemara says in Yuma on page 38, uh, 38b, somebody who comes to make themselves pure, so they help him in Hashemayim, they help him from, uh, they help him from, uh, from heaven, which seems to imply that, which seems to imply that only if you come, if you come, so then there's help. You don't come, there's no help. Right, and the Medrash says in Shira Shirim Rabba, Hashem says, Tishuli Kisedek Shamacha, to open up for me a hole, like a hole of a, of a, of a, of a needle. I'll open up for you uh, um, a door to a, to, 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 to a foyer, to a, to a big uh, hall. So what we have to do, we have to, we have to make an effort. Hashem expects us to make an effort, we make an effort. It will make an effort, so there will be recipro- there will be reciprocity. Reciprocity only comes as reciprocity. The original relationship is only if we relate. So we have to make some kind of effort. We have to uh, ask for forgiveness. We have to do some introspection. We have to make an effort to daven with uh, concentration when we daven uh, when we say the shlichos in the morning and the rosh hashanah davening uh, to concentrate on the words and try to implement uh, the things that we say. Uh, we make an effort, so there will be there'll be inspiration. Hashem will uh, will, uh, will will come back and give us uh, spirit, give us spiritual uh, uh, capacity and strength. To uh, to repent, correct? Right. Uh, I was just helping one of my children with their homework, and uh, that's the way I dealt with it. I tried to get them to come to me and ask me for help, so at least there'll be some effort made. And if there's effort made, so then I can do the rest of their homework, <laughs> right? But if there's no effort made, then what am I going to do their homework? There's no effort made at all. Then there's no then there's no relationship. There has to be a relationship, right, uh, with Sandy? Do you understand? Right. It's something. It's something. If you give me something, otherwise it can't work. So the Marshall expects that we should at least, you know, uh, make some some sort of effort. I wish that was the case. I don't think that's the case with God. Right? I don't think God is... Not that I'm saying it's a good thing, but, uh, I mean, I, my husband has been known to my kids' silence. Right. I don't think that God thinks that... 
I'm giving an example. Uh, God doesn't do anybody's homework. I'm giving you an example. I'm saying that if we want to come back, we have to make some effort. To make some effort. If, we don't make, if we don't make any effort, then the Hashem is not going to help. So you don't really know, the problem is you don't really know whether your efforts are enough. You, you don't really know. Because you don't well, it has to be a need, though. He isn't just giving you an A or a B or an F. I mean, that this is this is such as life, such as life, fluidity, motion, uh, decay, such as life. Even uh, photons of light decay. That's the way it goes. These things are not solid. Here we're talking uh, psychology. Here we're talking psychology, emotional well-being. This is the subject matter. When it comes to these things, there's nothing that's absolute. A hundred percent. So says the um, says the um, the uh, says of Yonason actually. So this is the way that it was. The state the, the state of that in the future says of Yonason actually. In the future, when it comes to the time of the Mashiach, it's not going to be this way. Right now, the state is is that we have to make an effort. But when it comes to the time of the Mashiach, says of Yonason actually. Hashem will bring the Geula. He will bring the redemption regardless of whether we make an effort. The redemption will come. Doesn't matter. We do tshuva. We don't do tshuva. Redemption will come anyway. It is not in our hands. Hashem will bring it. There will be an inspiration that will come from Shemayim. There will be an inspiration without any effort at all. Without any effort. We don't, we, we, the Hashem will, will, will inspire us to come closer to Him. That's the way it's going to be in the future. You hear Hear this, Ascendi. Well, what? I thought, I thought I'd learned that we need to, uh, uh, to to strive to be closer to Hashem in order to bring about the Guru. We do. We need to strive to. We have to do our thing. But if we don't, it's going to come anyway. Hmm. At a certain time. I don't know exactly how it works. I don't know exactly how it works. I don't know exactly how it works. Maybe we can bring it faster. It's true we can bring it faster, but, but uh, it's go- in the end it will come anyway. If we all decide we don't, uh, we're not going to make an effort, it doesn't matter. It's going to come anyway. This is, the, this is, this is what's going to happen. So, so, says the Bionis and that, 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 that this is the way it was at the time of creation. This is the way it was at the time of creation. The Pasuk says in Parshas Bereshis, There was no people to work the land. Before the creation of man, there was nobody to work the land. Still, even though there was nobody to work the land, Hashem brought His divine influence upon the universe to form it, to create it, to put everything that's necessary, even though there was no effort made from a creature of free choice. So the, the future is akin, as we have said in many different forms before, the future is akin to the beginning. The, the time of the Mashiach is tantamount, is the same as the time of creation. In the same way, at the time of the Mashiach, no effort will be necessary. At the time of creation, there will also be no effort will be necessary. There was, there was no effort necessary. That, uh, that it, it was there, you know, the things were, were there, so to speak, underground. But until Adam was uh, new to be great to, to ask for rain, it didn't happen. Presumably, if he had never sought to ask for rain, that means that nothing would have been Well, he just says, generally speaking, he says, the Pasuk says, but there was still, the land was developing, was in a stage of development. Yes, it was. 
Yes, it was. That's what he says. But how come it says that it wasn't until until um, Adam? But it was. There was. That it says. It says there, there, there was. There was a whole creation. There was a whole aspect. There was a divine influence on the on the universe before the man was created. This is his perspective. This is this is what Rabbi Yonah Sanav should say. Yeah, they are. No, he's just saying that the divine influence happened. The divine influence happened regardless of whether the man was there or not. It happened before. Of course, in the future too, in the future too, the, the inspiration will come from Hashem. But there's going to be people. Right? It's the only, the, uh, and of course, the development of the universe was for the, perp, for the purpose of people. Okay? It was for the purpose of people. But it, come, it depends on how it comes. Does it come from the initial effort of people or not? So in the future, it will come without the initial effort of people. And in the beginning, it also came without the initial effort of people, even though it was for the purpose of people. Okay, that's, that's what he says. So that's what Rebbeinu Sinatra says. So he says that is the meaning of the Gemara in Tainus, that the Jewish people asked that there should be like, like rain, and Hashem said, you're asking incorrectly. That our, our ideal relationship is is that it should be like dew. Because what is rain? Rain is, according to Rebbeinu Sinatra's perspective, is, is that first there comes, uh, 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 first by rain develops on the ground. It develops on, on, uh, on whatever it is, sea level, on the ground. Then it rises into the sky. The moisture rises into the sky and then comes back down. So the first uh, the influence for the rain, the first cause for the rain, comes from the bottom until eventually the top reciprocates and the water flows, the rain flows on the ground. That is akin to us making the first effort and then Hashem reciprocating with giving us the divine inspiration. However, do is not influenced by what happens on the ground, it happens what's in the air. So the influence comes only from the sky. So Hashem says that in the future, the way you ask is our relationship should be like, like the do that comes. That the influence only comes from me. I will inspire you to do too. Okay? That's the explanation of the Gemara Tainus. So therefore, now, now that we say this, says Rabbi Yonah brilliantly speaking, yeah, um, you see that okay base hey Rabbi Yonah says that Rosh Hashanah is Rosh Hashanah is uh, is what day what day which day of uh, which correspond which day of creation does it correspond to so we say in the davening that it's the beginning of creation Hayom HaRasolam it's the birth of the world so the 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 Rosh Hashanah is the same, spiritually speaking, as the beginning of the universe. So therefore, Rosh Hashanah, he says, is the same as the beginning of the universe. And the beginning of the universe is the same as the future. Therefore, the same as the time of the Mashiach. As we mentioned. Therefore, the divine influence that happens, the divine influence that happens, on uh, okay. we'll get back to Bela's question about that in a, in a minute the divine influence happens how in which direction on Rosh Hashanah if we, if we make the, the, the transitive property equation the divine influence happens from the above 
The divine ones have it from the above. Therefore, says Rabbi Yonizashi, it's very interesting, listen to this. Right? That when it comes to Rosh Hashanah, every single Yid feels in their heart an inspiration to come closer to Hashem. Every single year feels an inspiration to come close to Hashem. When is the, the when is the most? If you would say, Rabbi Sandy, the the attendance in Shul from all walks of life of Yidden in in Shul. When which which day is the biggest attendance? Which days? Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur. That's the biggest day of Shul. Why? So according to the you know why? Because the divine influence comes without any effort. Even the Yidden. Even the Jews that don't make any effort at all whatsoever are divinely inspired to come closer to Hashem because of this what? To come because they're, they're inspired to come closer to Hashem because of this what that Hashem comes and, and the influence comes from above. The same way that it came is going to come at the time of the Mashiach and the same way that, it's, that it came at the time of, the, of creation of Bereshit. So when the Mashiach will come, all those Yidden to come to Shul to Rosh Hashanah, they'll also come to Shul. They'll also come to, to learn, to know. They'll be inspired the same way, however they come to the Shul. And that's what it means in Yeshaya 55. That you should seek the Rabbana Shalom when he is found. Because the Rabbana Shalom literally, we can see it with our eyes. We can touch it and smell it. The Rabbana Shalom is found during these days. Look at all the Yidden that come to Shul. Right? So, you hear this. Of course, and look, you know, there's still free choice. You can close the door. You can manage close the door. Perhaps maybe the answer to this will come in a minute. Okay? This is Isaiah 55. Isaiah 55. Isaiah 55, 6. Hashem <laughs> Seek Hashem when He is found. Talmud, Rosh Hashanah 18a. When is that? During the 10 days of repentance that start Rosh Hashanah culminate on Yom Kippur. Because, because the Kri, right, the way that we just explained it. Yeah. You hear? You Fine. Now, Says the Rebbeinu Sinatshitz, the famous vote that uh, probably everybody quotes, but maybe not in his name. The Rebbeinu Sinatshitz says, what's the proper way to do tshuva? So after Rosh Hashanah, we have how many days until Yom Kippur? After Rosh Hashanah, how many days? Seven. We have seven days. So the Rebbeinu Sinatshitz says, those seven days should be split up. Person on every, let's say, Monday, Sunday. Come Sunday, he should do tshuva. The proper way is to do tshuva. On every single Sunday of a person's life, or at least the past year. Let's say Sunday, I do something that every Sunday I do, I have schedule, whatever it is that I do, that perhaps maybe is not something that I should be doing. Or every Monday. So the first day corresponds to Sunday, the second day corresponds to Monday. Every single day of the seven days should be split up to the seven days of the week, and a person should do tshuva for every single day of the week on one of those days. Those are what the seven days are for. To keep us busy to do tshuva for the seven days. You hear? What's the problem? No problem. Oh, they have a system like that. So, there's a 1741. 1743, actually. So, there's 1743. It's called confession. Confession? Yeah, that's for every single day? Every Sunday. Every Sunday. No, this is not on Sunday. He's saying that every... 
after Rosh Hashanah, you take one day, and each day should correspond to the day of the week of your every single day, every life. Let's say you take the first day after Rosh Hashanah. So that day you designate as being a, a Monday. So now you've got to go back and sit down at home and make a record of everything you did on every single Monday for the past okay, year. Okay. And you do tshuva for Monday for all the Mondays. Yeah. Then the next day you do tshuva for all the Tuesdays. Okay, no, then the next all the Wednesdays. That's the way, that's the proper way to do tshuva. The seven days keep you occupied. Like the, like the, like the Rizal. It's like Cholomoyet. You quit your job and every day there's busy. Unless it's Friday, maybe Friday's not so busy. That's why you're preparing for Shabbos, maybe no time to do Averas. <laughs> you know, Sunday is a bigger day. So maybe you can, you know, Sunday you have to stay up a little later to, to do Chuba. Friday will be easy, you'll be done by doing Chuba by 5 o'clock. Whatever it is. Right, that's what, it, that's what he says. Now, however, so the brain's actions, you can't do Chuba in such a way that after it's going to ricochet into, into back to our old selves the way that we were. This can't be like this. There has to be a plan a serious plan, says everybody's an option, that it doesn't ricochet. Now, here is what he says next is going to definitely be uh, an, a, a, a words of inspiration to encourage us that it shouldn't and, and fill us with guilt. Okay, you ready? ready? Here we go. You ready to feel guilty? And then guilty about the fact that you feel guilty. <laughs> All right. So everybody's an option, being a capitalist that he is, Said the following, the following capitalistic idea, which I don't claim to to, to understand, but uh, the 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 numbers add up at least. Okay, he says like this. He says that we say in a piyut, we say Adir Ayon Vinayra. This is a, 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 an awesome and scary day. So Necha Miyad goes in your sheep get sheared right away. So he says, what's the significance of the words that your sheep get get uh, get uh, um, sheared right away? What's the uh, imagery? What's the point of the? What's the euphemism? What, what is the mashal? What's the parable that your sheep get sheared right away? So he says, interesting thing. He says sometimes you find you know a person he is mamish of Russia, a bad guy. Find a bad guy or a bad girl, whatever it is. And they come, it comes Yom Kippur, they do tshuva, they stand by the, by the, by the, they, they, they sit, they listen to the rabbi, uh, they, they, they cry during the davening, they, they all of a sudden, they change, they're nice, they do tshuva. You see, the person is a, is a gutta, is a, it changes to being good when it comes sometimes. And then, what happens to these people? Then, a day after Yom Kippur, they, 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 they uh, go back to their old ways. What's the, what's the inspiration? What's the, why do these people do tshuva? What's the mechanics behind this type of personality? Okay? How does it work? Fear. Fear, perhaps. <laughs> perhaps there was fear. Okay? Maybe. So, it's, the way that this personality works like this. The sitra acha, which is, Translated as the other side. Okay, here's the the other side, which means that the okay, whatever we're good, we've gotten into this before, but it's the 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 the, the, the I don't want to say it like that. Uh, it's not Star Wars, not the dark side, but it's the, the other side, the other side, which is the side of Tuma, the side of spiritual impurity, the side which the 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 Yitzhara works with, where the divine presence is not found. 
the other side, the Sitrach, it's, it's an angel or whatever, a force, has a desire. It, 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 it sucks. It nurses from Kedusha. It nurses from holiness. It nurses from the performance of mitzvot. When people are, are, are kiss the Torah, when they study the Torah, when they daven properly, the Yetzirah, the, 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 the other side, needs to nurse from that. It needs Kedusha. It needs it as, as, as like, like a battery. It needs, it needs the, the solar power or the, the Kedusha power, the electricity to be harnessed from the Kedusha in order to make it, in order, to, in, in, in order for it to survive. That's how it works. It needs to harness that power. Where does it get that power? Where does the, where does the, the Sitra Acha get that power? So it finds a nice innocent uh, Jew that has some mitzvahs. They have some mitzvahs that they've done. They study a little Torah. They davened a little bit, came to Minyan once in a while, kept kashrus a little bit, um, Shabbos a little bit. They've done a few mitzvahs, but they also do Averos. So, so, so that person, the Sitra'ach who comes to this person, and when the Averos is being done, when the infraction is being committed, that's when it sucks out the, the Kedusha. That's when it, 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 uh, it, it drains the, 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 the holiness from, from this person. As soon as we, we would do an Avera, the holiness is drained from it. Where does it go? It goes to the Sitra'ach. However, if a person commits too many, stay, stay with me, Rabbi Ezra here. If a person commits too many infractions, then all the Kedusha dries out. All the holiness dries out. You see this in people. You see a person, there's nothing there. There's nothing, nothing there. There's no Kedusha. It's a wall. There's no, there's no address. Nobody's home. You know what I'm saying? Nobody's home. The Kedusha is gone completely. Dry. So when a person is dry like this, he has no, no spirituality whatsoever. The Yitzhahara has no business there. Because there's nothing to eat. There's no energy to draw. So what does he do? What does he do? He draws the opposite. He influences the person to do mitzvahs. He influences it like a sheep. Like a sheep, he gives them, what do you give sheep? He says you give sheep salt. If you give sheep salt, all kinds of things, they grow the, they grow the, the, the wool. The wool grows thick and, and, and a lot of it, after the sheep grows the wool, it gets fat with the wool, heavy, can't walk anymore. It's got all that kidusha. Right? And then he shears it. He shears it off. He shears it off. He, he cuts off the, he cuts off the mitzvah supply. He cuts off the mitzvah supply and all of a sudden the person's back to their old self. Back to their old Averis. Back to their Averis. Back to their Averis so that, so that, so that the, 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 the Sitrach can eat it all, all up. Get, get, get all the Kiddusha for himself. When he comes to the Averis. What? What's that? What's that saying? There's good news at the end here. There's good news. So, so, so says the Averis and Ipshitz. First of all, and that 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 um, this is what's behind the psychology of a person who this is what's behind the psychology of a person who's completely out of touch with spirituality. Does a little bit of tshuva, does a little bit of tshuva, and then they go back to their old way. How did that happen? It's all the it's all the situach, It's all the other side trying to get the, to to grow some wool, grow some wool so they can shear it off and take it back. However, we daven, so how does, what is this? We, we ask the question. What was the question that we asked? That we say in this period, Tzonecha, your sheep, Hashem, Miyad goes in, should be seared immediately. We shouldn't be like those people who, 
the Yetzirah tries to grow the wool on their skin until it gets fat, so it doesn't get sheared immediately. You wait until it grows until it's big, then you can take it. We should get sheared immediately. The Kedusha, it should not be this way. Without any that the Kedusha should stay. The Kedusha should stay there all the time. That's the, that's the explanation. So it says the Glenis and Akshets that, that what do you mean, what is the good news? The good news is here. The good news is that the inspiration, we started with the good news. The inspiration comes on Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur from Hashem for us not to be this way. But we just, we have to give you advice. You have to make sure that the commitments that we make are the commitments we can keep. That they have to last. Because if we allow ourselves to go back to the way that we were 100% after Yom Kippur is over, if we allow that, then that is just feeding into a trap of, of, of the Yitzhahara. Does that mean that you should not do if, you, if, you don't, if you're pretty sure you're not going to be able to follow it? No, no, that's the Yitzhahara too. Now he says, don't do tshuva, because you're not going to be able to follow through. So listen, you have to make a commitment that you can keep. Rabbi, Rabbi Shach, of blessed memory, is known as to have made the following commitment. He was the, uh, the spiritual leader of the Jewish people and the policy leader of all the Jewish people, the Rosh Hashiva, of the Panovich Yeshiva. And whatever he said, Rabbi Shach, everybody followed the whole Eretz Israel and all these Jewish Olam all over the, all over, all, all over the world. Whatever. You know, what was his Kabbalah Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur? What did he accept upon himself to change, to be different than he was the year before? That when he benches, he's going to bench out of a bencher. He's not going to bench by heart, but so he shouldn't miss any work. He's going to bench out of a bencher. That's what he's going to do. And instead, we have to make a, we have to make a, a change. A change that will last. What? So you got to do something else. Then you got to pick something else. There has to be a change that will last. Now, where is the preferable change? That, that's what Rabbi Yonah That's what he says. Where is the preferable change? Where is the preferable change? So let's just summarize everything that we said. What we said was is that is that inspiration on Rosh Hashanah comes from Hashem. And we have to be sensitive to it and draw from it to, to change. How do we change? Pick the seven days that follow after Rosh Hashanah until Yom Kippur. One day for each day of the week to see in the past what we have done in the past what we could do different during those days of the week. And the changes that we make should be ones that will last no matter how small they are. Okay, that's what we've said so far in the past 41 minutes. Okay, now, where, if we would suggest, where is the area of concentration that is the most preferable? Where is the area of concentration that is the most preferable? So, Bionis and I should say the two, the two most important areas of, of, of change should be in Torah and in Tzila, in, 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 in learning Torah, and davening. Okay? Here he quotes the Gemara and Brachos on page 5a. He doesn't quote it exactly as the Gemara says. Uh, the, the notes here say that they don't understand exactly uh, his quotation. But the Gemara basically says like this. The Gemara on page 5a in tractate Brachos gives us advice of how to, how to challenge the Yitzhahara, how to challenge our inner selves, our lusts and desires. What should we do? So, so it says... Uh, four things. He only mentions three things. 
but the, the Gemara says four. What are the four things? We're going to trans- we're only going to concentrate on the last three. But what are the four? Person should always fight his way to atov, their good inclination over their bad inclination. If that doesn't work, what should they do? They should study Torah. If that doesn't work, what should they do? They should read the Shema. The three, uh, the Shema Yisrael Hashem Rakeh Hashem And if that doesn't work, what should a person do? What? They should remember the day that they're going to die. The Yom Hamisa. That they eventually there's going to come an end. Okay, that's, uh, those are the three things. Asks, what? Oh, so this is the advice. If we look in Shas, of how, what should we do in order to, uh, in order to, in, in order to uh, start, to begin the process of change in Tshuva, what we should do is, is that we should do these three things. Uh, try to change, that doesn't work, learn Torah, doesn't work, say the Shema, doesn't work, remember the day, 120 that we're going to die. Right, so the Gleason Ibsen says, I don't know, the commentary is asking this Gemara, what do you need to go through this whole process? Just remember the day you're going to die, just go straight for the kill. Right, forget the, no pun intended, forget, no pun intended, forget fighting Yitzhah Hara with Thursday, just go for the straight for the kill. That's it. Remember the day you're going to die in Shalom Israel. Right, that's the, the, that's the solution. That's the, the monster, the, that works for everything. That's his question. Now, we're going to shelve this question. Like I said, Rabbi Rillinson is, is a complicated person. We're going to shelve this question and discuss something else. Basically, the beginning to this question is, is that the answer is going to be that there are three types of infractions. There are three types of issues that we have three main issues for which we can correct in ourselves and those three issues correspond to the three different the three different uh, avenues of methodology that the Gemara offers but the, the, the first the first combatant against the Yitzhahari is the Torah okay now we're going to digress to discuss the Torah as, as we've done in the past we're going to digress to discuss the Torah the Gemara Asks in Brachos on page 17a. The Gemara asks, Noshim b'may zachin. Women, okay, and I don't want to, as Brazil said, I don't want to offend any men here. But women, asks the Gemara, how are they zaycha? How did they merit? The Gemara doesn't explain what they merit. The Gemara just seems to say, how do they merit? So the simple explanation of the Gemara seems to be, is that how do women go to Olam Abba? How do they go to the world to come? That's the Gemara's question. So what's the Gemara's answer? The Gemara's answer is, is when they send their husbands to, uh, to, to, to Shul, they send their, to the, their husbands to the Kolo, to the Yeshiva, to study Torah, or they send their children to, uh, to Cheda, they send their children to school to study Torah, that's how they, that's how they merit, by, the, by supporting of the studying of the Torah. Right, that's the, the Gemara's answer. So ask the brilliant synaptions. The question that everybody asks is, is that women do mitzvahs too? Women don't do what, what do you mean? What do you mean? What do they mean? Why did you have a marriage? Because whether or not you managed to convince somebody else to go to school, that makes no sense. Oh, we're going to get to that. We're going to get to that. One minute. We're going to get to that. This we're going to answer. Okay. Just one minute. We're going to answer this. We're going to get to that. That's our punchline. Before we get to the punchline, we have to give the answer. Says the Bnei Sinaipshitz that says the Bnei Sinaipshitz that that women do mitzvahs too. So okay, 
they're not obligated in time-bound mitzvahs, as we know the Gemara tells us in Tractate uh, Kedushan, page 298. We know this. Right? They're not obligated by, by, uh, by, by time-bound mitzvahs. So what? But they do other mitzvahs. Says the Bionis each and every single mitzvah, in and of itself, is sufficient to get a person to Olam Haba, to the world to come. Each and every single mitzvah. Out of the 613 mitzvahs, uh, Sandy, every single mitzvah, if a person does that mitzvah completely, bishlamus, um, in the proper way, that mitzvah in and of itself is enough to get a person to Olam Haba. So if a woman does a mitzvah, she has Olam Haba. What's the Gemara asking? Women, what do they merit? Merit what? What are you talking about? You hear? This is the question. You hear? This is the question. Sandy. You don't hear the question. The Gemara asks, the, you know, the Gemara, the Talmud, the Babylonian Talmud, asks, how do women merit the world to come? Merit means acquire. How do they acquire the world to come? Where do they have the, this acquisition? So the Gemara answers because they support the study of the Torah. Children, their husbands, blah, blah. The question on that is, why don't they merit because they say the Shema at night. Or why don't they marry, not the Shema at night, but whatever it is, the mitzvah, they keep Shabbos. Why don't they marry when they light candles? Why don't they marry when they enter Amen and Shul? Why don't they marry to all the mitzvahs that they do? Women else have mitzvahs. Just like everybody else's mitzvahs. Every Kahanim have mitzvahs that Yisrael don't have. Levim have mitzvahs that, uh, that, uh, that Kahanim don't have. Everybody has their own separate mitzvahs. What is the Gemara's question? Yeah. Every single mitzvah in and of itself gets you to Olam to the world to come. So what is the Gemara asking? How do they matter? What, what does the Gemara mean? Here now the question, Sandy. Here. Okay. So each and every single mitzvah says the interactions. And this, this idea is echoed by the Rambam in his commentary on the Mishnah on page uh, in, in the tractate Mark page 23b. The Ramah also says in, in the Shokhanah, the Ramah says that if a person, if, a, if a, once a child learns to speak, just take him to shul, teach him how to say the Amen, because as soon as they say Amen, they're, 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 they have a merit in the world to come. Uh, either your child. So, 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 I mean, this is enough here. Fine. As he, then he explains a uh, very interesting we don't have time. He explains the mission in Perkyavos based upon this idea, which is very good. So we do the mitzvahs, he says, and explains this mission in Perkyavos. We do all the 630 commandments because God wants to see if we're committed to Him, if we're committed to the relationship. And the more mitzvahs we do, the more reward we get. But the truth is, one mitzvah is itself enough. You don't need any more. So therefore, what's the Gemara's question? This is, the, this is the, that's what he's asking. So the answer is like this. The Gemara's question is, the Gemara asks that the only way to change, the only way to conquer ourselves, the only way to fight the Yitzhahara, the evil inclination, is through Torah. Torah is the sword. We don't talk the sword. We're not in 1743 anymore. Torah is the, uh, is the, is the, is the, uh, the bazooka. No, it's the Uzi. To fight the enemy. The Yitzhahara can be... How do you expect a soldier to go into uh, wherever he goes? To Syria or Iran. How do you expect... How do you expect him to fight? You send him without a tank. Marvin, would you send a soldier to the army without a tank today? This is you send him without a tank. He's not going to win. Not into a battle. No. Not into a battle. You send him in... You send them with a plane without any bombs. What's the plane without bombs? What does that do? A spy plane. Spy plane. A spy. Information. Okay. Without a radar, you send them into without without any communication uh, equipment. Hey, you can't send without a sword. What 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 is the the the, the, the weapon? 
that which which with which we can change. That's the Torah. The Torah is the weapon with which we can change. Okay, this is the this is the way. How do you how do you, how do you, how do you, how do you how do you change without it? You can't. The Torah is what combats the Yitzhahara. Okay? So ask the Gemara. Wait, 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 wait one, second, one second. Ask the Gemara. It's true that women do mitzvahs and go to Olam Haba. But, how do they change? How do they fight the Yitzhahara? How does that happen? If they don't have the weapons. They don't have the Torah because they're not obligated in the midst of studying Torah. How does that happen? So the Gemara, and that's the Gemara's question. The Gemara is not asking whether they go to Olamab. Of course they go to Olamab. That's of course. Everybody goes to Olamab. They do mitzvahs. They fill mitzvahs of Hashem. The Gemara is asking, how do you affect the process of change without Torah? If you're not obligated to study Torah, how, did, how do you help to fight it? The Gemara answers, the way that it works is, the way that it works is if you support Torah, then it's considered as if you're learning it yourself. It mamish is as if you learned it yourself. And if you learn it yourself, then that is the protection. This doesn't only is not for women also, it's also for men. Whoever supports the Torah, whoever supports the Torah is has the merit of being able to fight the Yitzhar to affect change. Whatever the level of support is, whether the level of support is by encouragement, by financial means, whatever the brownies, cookies, whatever it may be, whatever it may be, a smile, whatever the support of the Torah is, that in itself makes the person who's supporting the Torah considered as if they themselves studied the Torah, and that helps to fight the Yitzhar. Okay, that helps to fight, that, that's what he says, that helps to fight the Yitzhar. I'm sorry, ba- uh, Baylor, what were you asking? Because the Yetzirah is constantly counting attacks. I mean, presumably, if you want to use the, the metaphor of the bomb, once the bomb hits, you destroy your target. It's not about to, well, you know, hopefully, it's not about to strike back. But the Yetzirah, you just said a few minutes ago, is constantly striking back. Right, so you have to constantly, you need to constantly support the Torah. This is the way it works. You need to constantly study Torah too. The person who studies the Torah needs to constantly study Torah too. It does seem like the second fact. Hashem does not create uh, us without the capacity to conquer that which the challenge that He made. I mean, it's like if you're if you're a cyclist and you're a race organizer and you make a, a, a you make a stage. Where the entire time it's a 200 mile, uh, 23 gra- 23% gradient to climb. It's, it's not going to happen. Nobody's going to do it, right? Uh, I mean, the 23% gradient, you can't even walk up that. Forget about running. For 200 miles, Hashem's not going to make something impossible. Ramavan, you know this. 23% grade. Have you tried a 23% grade ever? Not even tried it for five to two seconds. Hashem doesn't make such things. This is the methodology through which we go. Now, hear this. Now we get back to our, our, our original point. We get back to our original point. Remember the question that we asked. The Gemara in Bracha says that there are three ways to conquer the Yitzhahara. There are three ways to affect change in oneself. One way, one way is to study Torah. One way is to say the Shema. And the other way is to remember the day of death. Right? Those are the three. 
So we ask the question, why not just remember the day of death? The answer is because there are three types of Averos. There are three types of infractions which need to be handled with those three methodologies. Three ways. Okay? The first way, the initial step, the, the, uh, the key through the door, the initial stage of dealing with the Yetzirah is the study of the Torah. For two reasons, says Rabbi Yonis Number one is, the reason why people do Averis commit infractions is because they simply do not know better. Like the Chavitz Chaim says in his introduction to the laws of Shabbos. If a person does not study the laws of Shabbos, how is he supposed to know whether he's transgressing Shabbos or not? You don't know the details. I mean, you don't know. So if you don't know, if you don't know, there's nothing to talk. Of course, a person, a person doesn't sin maliciously. Don't rebel against Hashem maliciously. They just don't know better. The study of the Torah is, serves as information of the directives of Hashem, giving us the details so that we know. A lot of times we say, well, I didn't know. I didn't know. I never knew that. Now that I know, I change. We always say, that's what we live and we learn. That's number one. Number two is, he says, as we described, uh, as, uh, also he doesn't quote this, but Neb Shachayim uh, describes this at length, also in his book, Neb Shachayim Velazhen and Neb is that a person is connected spiritually to all the universes. Every time, all the, all the spiritual universes that exist. And every time a person makes a choice, everything gets influenced, everything gets moved. It's like a puppet, like uh, the, uh, the trolley cars in San Francisco. Every time there is a move, electricity goes up through all the universes and changes them based upon a person's actions. And then, and then that, the, those worlds change, the divine influence that comes from those worlds come back down in, in the form of, of either Kedusha, of holiness, or the opposite, Chas V'Sholem. So if we, this is the study of the Torah informs us of this also, that in our hands is the capacity to create spirituality, spiritual sensitivity and growth, and Chas Shalom the opposite. One, that, so the Torah is necessary for this. Okay? So that's number one. You want to conquer the Yitzhahara? Step number one is study the Torah. You know what to do? And you understand the ramifications of your actions. That's number one. Okay? So therefore now, now, one of the commitments that we can make of change is to be more informed of what we have to change. Study more Torah, understand the ramifications of our actions, whatever. Stage two, the Yitzhahara says like this. Now comes the Yitzhahara and says, Oh, now you know all this Torah. You know the laws of Shabbos, you read Rabbi Kohn's... Uh, Rabbi Kohn's, uh, all of his laws of Shabbos, the Shabbos kitchen, the Shabbos, uh, whatever it is, the Shabbos sink, the Shabbos toilet, whatever it is, the whole, you read the whole thing, the radiance of Shabbos, you read the whole thing, all the books, now you know about Lachas, now you say, I'm better than the other one, because the other one doesn't know. So the, the, the Yetzirah comes along and he says, you're better, you're better now, you're, you're Hushif, you're important, you deserve the, uh, deserve the honor. So now, he, now the, the, the evangelization says you could be arrogant. And he says in his time, this is very interesting, he says in his time it's, it's terrible. But a lot of the Bali Torah people who are Torah scholars are arrogant. 1743. He says it's, it's a terrible thing that, 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 that the Torah creates. You have to work on that. So what's the solution to this? What's the solution not to be arrogant is you say the Shema. Step number two. You say the Shema and understand. What is the Shema Yisrael Hashem and
Shema Yisrael Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echad tells us that Hashem is one. That Hashem is in control of the entire universe. He says we have to imagine in our minds. Like we learned in school that Hashem is here, Hashem is there, Hashem is everywhere. Hashem is in every place. And He controls everything. If we have such a recognition, such a consciousness, that the Rabboni Shalom is everywhere and that He's in control, it's impossible to be arrogant. Because who am I? I come from a, from a drop. I, I, I function. I have waste inside me. I, I, I decay. I'm limited in my intellect. And, and I got this God all around me that's in control of everything. That's what the Shema is all about. That, that, that Hashem is in control. Okay? So they're, they're not possible to be arrogant. Step number three, though, the Yetzirah says, okay, but at least, so now you're not arrogant and you, 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 you do mitzvahs, but you got to enjoy yourself. You have to enjoy yourself. Uh, so have a little bit of pleasure, have a little bit of desire. What's the solution to that? Says the the solution to that is to remember the day of death, because we remember that that one day it doesn't matter when we go to sleep. It's already partial, partial, partial death, so to say. Sleeping is like partial death, right? So one day it's not going to matter if we ate, the, we ate we ate the steak, we didn't eat the steak, we had the nice house, we didn't have the nice house, the nice car, comfortable car with the leather seats, not leather seats, right? Uh, whether it was a fast car, not a fast car, whatever it may be. Whatever we, we have, nice clothing, whatever desires we have, aspirations we have, doesn't matter in the end. In the end, everybody winds up in the same place. Every, in the end, everybody goes to Olamabo with the Nishama, and the body doesn't have any pleasure from the, the... If we remember the day of death, that completely conquers the Yitzhara, because then, then there's no point in, in, in having the pleasure, because it will be. It will be, you know, this... I once heard a story with uh, the person running around, this person running around doing this and that, uh, going this place, doing that place. Somebody said, you know, why don't you take a rest? Take a rest, relax, this is the person. So the, 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 the woman replied, she said, I'll relax on all my board. Maybe I'm shown after 120 years I'll relax. That's when I'll get some sleep. Now I don't need any sleep. And then, so once we have that perspective that I'll be all on my, he comes all on my board. I don't have time to, 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 to reply because it doesn't last and it's going to be in the end. These are the three methods which we could use. So in summary, just to conclude again what, what we said in the first five pages of the 25-page Russia of Rabbi Anderson Actions in 1743 is what we said is, is that during the, during the Rosh Hashanah is the same as the flavor and the taste of the beginning of creation and the Mashiach, where the divine influence comes from Hashem, from above, without our having to initiate it. We have to get ourselves in tune with it. These are the ten days of repentance, and we have to do tshuva for every single day of the week that we have might have done. And, and the way to do that is to change. And change can be affected by reflecting on the three methods of the Gemara and Brachos, page 5a says. Change can be reflected by the study of the Torah, which focuses on informing us and, uh, and, 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 and showing us our, our, our capacities. Number two is to try to, 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 to be modest and to avoid arrogance as a result of our knowledge of Torah based upon saying the Shema and understanding that Hashem is in control of the whole universe. And number three is to uh, avoid indulging too much in, in worldly pleasures which are transient by remembering that one day at Mevez Hashanah we're all going to be in the same place. These are, this is some of the, these are some of the thoughts that, that I wanted to share with everybody, that perhaps maybe we can go into Rosh Hashanah and the days of Tshuva 
uh, to help us along in, 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 in approaching them properly in, in, in uh, change and, and doing tshuva. Have a good job, Mr. Everybody. Have a good year. Siva chasimah